good thing. Let's see if you guys are on track this morning. God is good. And all the time, you guys have got it down. Excellent. Welcome to service number two, I guess. If you're new around here, this is only the third week we've had two chances to come worship Jesus. And so if it feels like it's a little uneasy at times, work with us, please. All right? And um, we appreciate your, your grace and stuff there. I'm going to make a couple of things I need to make you aware of. He disappeared on me. There he is. Welcome with me, private first class, Jeffrey Allen in the building today. Jeffrey's home after some tech school training, and just this is his first Sunday back with us, so we're glad you made it. Thank you. Thank you for your service to our country, man. We're blessed. We've got a lot of guys who are giving of themselves to make sure we stay free and can walk in liberty and enjoy this great land of ours, and so we're grateful. i got a couple things to make you aware of. Tonight, we have an awesome event. We call it Hallelujah Night. It's kind of like a I don't even want to mention the name. A Halloween alternative. All right, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in, in the sake of, for the sake of ghosts and goblins and things of that nature this time of year. So we try and do something that's a little on the lighter side for families. We call it Hallelujah Night. And tonight it takes place. It's called Wild, it's Wild West Fun Fest. So if you've got like some cowboy garb or something at the house, you want to throw on some cowboy hats and a big belt buckle and... Uh, cowboy boots or something and come hang out and some plaid shirts and vests and bolos or whatever come hang out with us it'll be a good night there's gonna be a chili cook-off there's gonna be a, a, a weenie roast there's gonna be marshmallow roast there's gonna be games all over the outside the back side of the church here for kids to play we're gonna convey the gospel to them we're gonna just have a good time and so even today if you're running around the neighborhood or got a, a family who's got some kids we're gonna give away candy and all sorts of stuff it's gonna be a great night so please come out and join us in lieu of that, though, i got to warn you, usually we have like a coffee hour directly after the service, um, so you guys can hang out and fellowship just like you were just doing. I'm glad you took advantage of the time we just had, because we're not going to do that today, so that the crew could get everything together and set up for tonight. So, um, I just want to make you aware of that. Also, um, if you look in your bulletin, there's a, a voter guide in there. And Jim Wolf, who just opened the service with prayer a minute ago, um, told me he saw a sign in Circleville, in front of, I think it was A.G. Edwards or someplace like that. The sign simply read this, research, pray, vote. A good thing to do. Find out really what the issues are. Find out what the candidates are all about. Pray, seek the face of God, and then go vote, okay? Don't just take everything that's handed to you via news media and other things. Do some research, do some prayer, and ask God to help you decide what's the best thing to do. This, this voter guide has got all sorts of congressional things. It'll let you know where, where, where candidates stand on particularly biblical issues. And, and issues of biblical Christianity is very important that you take a look at that and, and, and look through it. Um, also, if, you, if you're like a, an internet person who does a lot of research, I'm going to give you a website really quickly. Okay? If you've got an opinion, you might want to write it down. Go to OhioElectionCentral.com. There... 
you can put in your zip code plus your four-digit extension. It will pull up the exact ballot you'll be looking at where your township is concerned, where your county's concerned, where all of that stuff. And they send out questionnaires to candidates and, and about different things and ask them to answer. Some of them responded, some of them didn't. But all their, res- all their responses and replies are right there. And it'll look just like it'll look when you walk into the voting booth. As a good Christian person, you're obligated to be a good citizen. And you can't be a good citizen unless you take on your duty of voting, unless you take on your duty of doing research, unless you take on your duty of, of um, do, praying. Uh, you can't do that to your fullest ability. So we, we want to make those things available to you. Um, and so th- there they are. Also, um, just something of, of, of note, I know the inside of this building's changed over the last few weeks. And um, I just want to make you aware of, you know, I, I realized there was some question as to what these new banners are down the sides, the, the signs up and down the thing. Those are our core values. Back in last year, we, uh, before Pastor Eric was sick and, and things changed the way we didn't want them to, we began to work on a, a process of change. And one afternoon, sitting in Pastor Eric's living room, we had a conversation about what does it look like to be a person who attends Church Triumphant? What are the values that, that we hold dear that make us who we are? And really, honestly, these words that you see associated with those signs all came out of Pastor Eric's mouth. In his mind, and his heart, this is what it looks like. That's what it looks like to be a person who attends church triumphant. And we want to keep those before you all the time. That's why they're hanging there. We want you to walk in, and as you will make yourself a part of this congregation, we want you to know what are the things we hold close to us. Excellence honors God. Spiritual growth is not optional. Teaching is for transformation. Worship is a lifestyle. Love is expressed, not just talked about, not just addressed. Every believer can minister. Those are things. This one, the methods change. But the message never changes. Those are very, very important. All of them, you matter. Pray always. All those things are very important. I just want to make you aware of, of why that they're there. Um. That being, all, all that being said, um, we've been in a fall for the family, and I appreciate you all um, attending with us this morning. We've tried to tackle some issues that hit close to home, so to speak, and um, today is no different. We started this, looking at this, doing this sort of a, a series of messages back in the summertime, and begin to pray about what God would have us speak on. I had no idea... Um, at that point, that we'd be in the economic chaos that we were in when we, when we began to put this together. And we felt strongly that God would have us discuss the issue of the family and finances. Is that an issue with anybody in the building? Just wondering. Just, just anybody got the issues where money's concerned? Wondering how you're going to make ends meet. Anybody there? Here's something else you need to know if you're visiting. I'm okay with you responding to me, Okay. You don't have to sit and be silent the whole service. If I say something remotely close to sounds like something you might agree with or understand, it's okay to go, all right. And it's okay to go, amen. It's all right to go, oh no. Or, you know, oh my. You know, whatever. It's okay. We're not going to be down on that. And I, mean, I, I kind of I I thrive in an environment where there's interaction and stuff. So don't be shy and don't be afraid, okay? It's okay. Um, so, Amen. Woo! You're getting it. 
So we're going to talk about seeing your family through difficult economic times. And if you want to follow along, there's a sheet of paper in there inside your bulletin. It'll help you see where I'm going. And if you're just one of those people who want to circle in zeros and E's and things of that nature, just help you get through the time, that, that's there too for you, I guess. But those are there for a resource. And, I, and my prayer is you'll take that and you'll put in some little extra study into it. Maybe take it, stick it in your Bible and devotional time this week. You'll look at it and say, was Aaron really telling the truth? Is that really what the scriptures say about that? And, and begin to do some look at it yourself. Just like we talked about voting, the same thing's true of the scriptures. You ought to dig into it and look into it and ask God to speak to you and, and do those sorts of things. Um, so let's start. Let me ask you, if, you, if you're with me, you can turn to Habakkuk, not Habakkuk, I'm sorry, Haggai, chapter 1, and we're going to read a few verses of scripture there, and then we're going to kind of bounce around from there this morning. Um, talk about seeing your family. Let me ask you if this sounds familiar to you. Listen to these words. Consider how things are going for you. I'm reading from the New Living Translation at this point, in case you're wondering. You have planted much, but harvested little. You have food to eat, but are not enough to fill you up. You have wine to drink, but not enough to satisfy your thirst. You have clothing to wear, but not enough to keep you warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. Anybody been there? Amen. Huh? You ever have those days where you get that paycheck? You do all the deals, sit at the table, do whatever wherever it is you do it, and then like two days later you go, where did all that go? What happened? Anybody? What do we do now? Go make sure you got plenty of mac and cheese in the, in, the, in, the, in the pantry. Or my personal favorite, peanut butter and jelly. Amen. Anybody got a Whoa. See? I think peanut butter is a thing from the Lord. I just got to be really honest. I, I love peanut butter. <laughs> peanut butter's awesome. I just got to say that. It's not as good as Jesus, but it's kind of close sometimes. I got to confess. Can I confess? There are some... <laughs> I don't know where this is coming from. There are times I get a hankering for peanut butter. I just go grab a tablespoon, dude, and I hit the jar. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And my wife will vouch for that for me. But we go through things like that. We go through things where uh, we wonder where everything went. We keep trying to accumulate stuff, and how much stuff we get, it just seems like it's not enough. There's always another new tech gadget to get, or something new thing to trick out on your vehicle with, or there's always something, there's always a new pair of shoes to buy, ladies. Um, You know, um, there's always something that you, listen, there's always, it just, anybody see where, you know what I'm talking about? You know, in, 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 out in space, they have these things called black holes. You know what I'm saying? And they just, and they suck in everything from every, and it just feels like that your money's being sucked out of where, and you don't know where it goes. Anybody, has anybody ever been there? Well, the scriptures talk about that. You know, I would say us as a nation, we're there right now. This economic crisis has got everybody kind of weirded out and freaked out and messed up, and what do we do, and what's going to happen next? And it just seems like, you know, where did that $700 billion go? Wasn't that supposed to work or do something? Anybody relate to what I'm, what I'm saying? 
And we got to go, what is going on? Let me say something to you really quickly. We're at election time. And we got a lot of people making promises about things. Let me say this. Don't put your hope and your faith and your trust in them. When was the last time any of them have been able to really come through on, on most of anything they ever promised? Huh? When was that? We need to pray and vote and make good. What was that? <laughs> um, you know, we, you've got to put your hope and your faith and your trust in Christ. He's the only thing sure and stable. Those candidates are just mere men or women. They're, they can only do so much. And most of what they promise, they don't even have the power or the authority to change anyhow. And so when you look at this economic thing, don't expect them really to be able to do what they say they're going to do. I mean, honestly, we have made a lot of bad decisions at a governmental level. We've made a lot of bad decisions on a personal level. And you know what? There's consequence for that. And we're dealing with the consequence of that. And, and I just, i got to be real honest, I kind of, I kind of pass a little bit of blame around all of them. I, I, I see lots of quirks. And it, 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 it's freaky to me. Don't, don't put your faith. Why have these things happened? Let's look at, let's look at um, chapter 1. And Haggai, a little bit further down, verse 9 says this. You've hoped for riches, or you've, you've hoped for rich harvests, but they were poor. And you brought your harvest home, but I blew it away. And the Lord asked, Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord Almighty, while you are busy building your own fine houses. That is why the heavens have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its crops. The reason these things are ha have happened is because we have put our own personal economic issues ahead and above scriptural principle. That's for us as individuals. That's for us as a nation. That's for us as families. That's for us as a government. We have made bad, bad decisions. We have not abided by scriptural principle. And we have, there, there's, there, we're, we're dealing with consequence of that. When we look at things God's way and we put his priority, what he says are priorities first and foremost, then, then things begin to change and things begin to change in the right capacity. But until we do that, we just keep going down the same path. Our families will continue to go on the same path. This is not, not true just in your finances. This is true about the communication we talked about last week. It's true about uh, uh, interrelationship inter things. It's, it's true of, of work environments. It, when we start doing things the way God says do it, things can then change. But not until we begin to do things the way he wants them done. And the reason he puts the certain principles at work is so that we can be everything he wants us to be. That we can excel and do all that he wants us to do. His intention is not to be mean, vicious, or, or, or angry towards us. His plan is to be a good dad that can convey blessing into our lives. But he asks us to, to, to abide by a certain principle. You know, we've, we've been really busy worrying about things that really have no eternal significance. You know, we... We've not been a responsible people in a lot of ways. And God says, it can be fixed, and I'll tell you how to fix it. You know what I like, like, you know what I like about this Bible here? It has impact in every arena of life. It is the truth of God. 
It tells us how to interact with each other. It tells us how to take care of our money. It tells us how to take care of our children. It tells us how to, how to, how to look at life. It tells us how things began in the beginning and how they'll end at the end. It is good for every piece of life you can imagine. And if we just take what God has put in this, man, we'll get somewhere. But we've got we to apply that. The reason we find ourselves is because in this predicament, we worried about things that Christ tells us not to worry about. Now, let me say something. Every good parent, every good husband, every good wife puts things in proper perspective and takes good care of the things they've been entrusted with. Okay? Don't miss what I'm about to say. But Matthew 6, 31 says this. Don't worry about temporary physical things. He says, don't be concerned about tomorrow. He said, don't be concerned about what you eat or drink or what you're going to wear. He said, your father knows you have need of those things. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all that other stuff will be taken care of for you. He'll, be, he'll add it unto you. Those are his promises, not mine. Those are his thoughts, not mine. Those are his principles, not mine. And he says to do that. He says, if you take... if you if if you keep worrying about the things that are only going on in your house, in your sphere, in your deal, and don't get caught up with things that are going on in his house, his kingdom, it cuts off his ability to work in your life. It cuts off your ability to function the way he wants to. And we're talking about finances. That, that, that's very, very true. There's, um, Matt, we talked about Matthew 6, 31. There's a, there, somebody sent me an, an email a few months ago, and it's, it's called uh, The Buzzard, The Bat, and The Bumblebee. How many of you guys are looking for a way out of this thing? Financial distress and stress. Economic problemas. Anybody looking for a way to get out? I'll, I want to tell you about the buzzard, the, the bat, and the bumblebee. You put a buzzard in a pen that is six feet by eight feet and is entirely open at the top, the bird, in spite of its ability to fly, will be an absolute prisoner. The reason is that a buzzard always begins a flight from the ground with a run of 10 to 12 feet. Without space to run, as is its habit, it will not even attempt to fly, but will remain a prisoner for life in a small jail with no top. The bat, the ordinary bat that flies around at night, a remarkable nimble creature in the air, cannot take off from a level, from a level place. If it is placed on the floor or flat ground, all it can do is shuffle about helplessly and no doubt painfully until it reaches some slight elevation from which it can throw itself into the air, then it will take off like a flash. The bumblebee, if dropped into an open tumbler, will be there until it dies unless it is taken out. It never sees the means of escape at the top, but persists in trying to find some way out through the sides near the bottom. It will seek a way where none exists until it completely destroys itself. See, if, you're, if your scope of, of progress about economics, about finances, is just, just right here in front of you, what you see right, right out in, in front of you like this, you'll be trapped. And the way to move from the chaos and the distress of what you're finding is to go like this. The buzzard is stuck in a trap with an open top. The bumblebee is stuck in a glass jar with no lid on it. The bat needs a source of elevation to get up off the ground. If you're struggling in that area, God says, look up. 
And I'll give you the direction you need to get moving in the right direction. He says, look up. Don't stay in that trap anymore. Don't stay down in that gutter anymore. Don't stay down in that mess anymore. Just look up. The Bible says his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. We've got to begin to look up at his principles and his help. We need to look up to get out of financial stress we often find ourselves in. Matthew 6, 34, 33 and 34 says this. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old. A treasure, listen to this, a treasure in the heavens. That's a, that's a, a, a change of focus. If you find your treasure is what lies around this planet in a physical realm, you will always come up empty. You will always come up trapped. You will always come up messed up. But if you begin to change your focus and begin to look at treasure as that which lies in heaven, you will begin to find your way out of the mess that you're in. He says, A treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches, nor moth destroys. Check this out. Neither can any banking institution get to it. Neither can the government tax you out of it. Neither can the creditors come and take it from you. If you turn your treasure towards heaven, it's there, it's safe, it's secure, and that's better than the FDIC any day of the week. Okay? Ah. I'm a little bit wound up today. Is that all right? The things of the Lord get me charged up. Verse 34 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we need to take our treasure from the things that lie around us and begin to focus them towards heaven. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we should not look at the things that are seen, for they're temporary. The thing about this economic crisis is this. It's temporary. It doesn't have to last forever. It won't last forever. It won't. It'll turn eventually. Some of the things will turn around. It'll get back on track. You know what? God's truth remains the same in spite of all of it. He says, don't look at the things which are seen. The things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen, they are eternal. So we must turn our focus toward eternal things. Amen. I'm going to give you four C's that will help you see your way through this, through, through any, kind of, any kind of financial stress. Any. Okay? So let's, let's start there. First, we'll go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. And it says this. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. The first C in seeing your way through financial stress is learning to be content. You know what's really got us in a lot of this mess we're in? It's because families, people, bit off more than they could chew. They weren't content with what they had. The government wasn't content either. And so they encouraged financial institutions to give loans they knew would probably be bad, but they wanted to look good and say they were helping people. And so all of a sudden everybody got really greedy and they weren't content with the way things were going. They wanted to try and do something different and try and reach out for something they couldn't accomplish. And then, blam, if we, if we begin to walk with Jesus the way he calls us to walk alongside of him and we become, we become content with where he has us, he says, you know what, we'll get through it. This is great gain. How many of you guys would like great gain? Does great gain sound good to you? Does that sound positive? Does that sound like something we all would like to reach out after? He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Not just a little bit of gain, it's great gain. And he says, listen listen, listen to why he says that. For for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Listen to the Apostle Paul. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. 
wow. I'm working on that area a little bit, I think. No? Sometimes food and clothing don't seem like having a whole lot. Does it to you? God asks us to be content with where he has us right now. And he'll help us grow. He says, verse 9 says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Our families are, are, are falling into destruction because we want so much stuff and we can't pay the bills to cover all of it. We're not content, and we find ourselves with harmful lusts, things we don't really need, but we got to have it. So-and-so got one down the street, you know? Oh, did you see that commercial the other day? My goodness, that car is awesome. I got to have, I got to have one of those. Right? <gasps> Godliness with contentment is great gain. Great gain. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. And the many foolish and harmful loves which drown in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Let me make something a statement here. Money itself is not evil. Money's a great help, but it's when our focus is our affection is always on that. When we love money and we're thinking about how all we go through money is how we're going to make money, how we're going to do this, how we're going to, you know, uh, I, I can remember uh, Patrick talking one time about all these guys he works with. They'll work 40 something. 50-something hours a week laying block, and then they'll go work all day Saturday on side jobs so they can make more money and buy stuff and do things. And the next thing you know, they've not seen their family all week long. They'll work daylight to dark on that side job. And do that. Any guys ever do that? You ever, you ever find yourself just grasping and trying to, and all your affections like, how can I get that? How can I finish that? How can I attain that? How can I grab a hold of that? And it, and it grabs a hold of your heart. For the love of money is really... Root of all kinds of evil, for which some men have strayed from the faith and their greediness and have pierced themselves through with many, many sorrows. The thing with contentment is you can't allow things you can't take with you to be your foremost focus. Listen, the Bible says in the book of, I think it's 2 Peter chapter 3, somewhere in there, that one of these days this whole planet's going to burn with fervent heat, that even the elements will melt away. You know what that means? Your TV is going to melt. Your car will no longer exist. Your refrigerator that you've kicked three times this week because it ain't working right will be gone. And you've spent your time being frustrated all week long because those things are all out of sorts. You've not enjoyed time with your family. You've petitioned God, why is this all happening to me? Because we live in a corrupt world and things just fall apart. That's why. You can't take it with you. Don't let it steal your joy and your peace. Don't let it. It's just stuff. It can be replaced. Sometime. Somewhere. I've had a car the last two weeks. I've been in the shop all week long. And guess what? It still ain't fixed. I could be really ate up right now about that. My wife might be more ate up because I've been driving her vehicle while my vehicle's been in the shop. But you know what? I'm not letting it get to me. I'd like for it to be done and be fixed, but it isn't. 
It's just a vehicle. It'll burn up one day. As long as it gets me from point A to point B, I'm good. And it's still drivable. It just needs some things tweaked, you know. I'm going to let it eat me up. You can't take it. Lust for riches leads it always leads for always leads to destruction. Always. The scripture tells us that. Greed will bring much sorrow. How many times have you heard of people who have everything they want? They have millions of dollars. They have all the houses and the cars. And they still, some of them commit suicide. Some of them drink themselves to death. They're on drugs like nobody's business. You know why? Because they're pierced through with all kinds of sorrow. And they don't know how to deal with it. Those things will never help you. The next C is control. St. Timothy 1.7 is where we'll look there. Control, what I mean is discipline. You need that from the help of the Holy Spirit. Control comes from the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Bible says that, the, that, that one of the fruit of the Spirit, the character of God, is self-control. You're like, well, dude, I'm kinda, I don't know under control. Yeah, until you go to the mall. You know? I told this to the ladies, I'm a medal, is that all right? Did you see that clearance rack? Holy smoke. And you buy like five times the amount of money you were wanting to spend when you walked in the store. And you got four bags. You're like, I don't need any of it. It's great. You know? You know what I'm talking about. The shoes. Lady, what is the deal with the shoes and the purses? I don't understand that. You can't walk by a rack. You can't go past, like, Payless without going. It's like, ooh, okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> For some of us guys, it's all the little toys. You know? Some of you dudes, you don't need another video game, all right? I'm just, I'm just saying. Huh? You just don't need one. You don't need that, 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 that next little whistle on your vehicle. You know what I mean? That next little doofloxy that everybody's got, you know? You just don't need. You want it. I get that. But maybe that's not a wise decision for you and your family. Control comes from the Holy Spirit. Followers of Christ were often called disciples. That means they lived under a certain discipline that nobody else lived under. That means they had, a, they had something focusing their life and moving their life in a direction that nobody else had. They lived under a, a source of discipline. You know what? We should be that same way. We should have a sort, different sort of discipline than everybody else. We should have control. Um, and we should be disciplined in the area of finances. You know what we need to do? This is something we tell the premarital, people in premarital counseling. We need to surrender impulsiveness to the Holy Spirit. Impulse buying, you know what I'm talking about. Chef Tony on the infomercial. You know what I mean? The swivel sweeper. And right now, for one low price, you can get four or whatever the, the, the latest deal is. You know what I mean? You need to surrender that to this Holy Spirit. You've been given, here's, here's what 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You've not been given, you know what? I find that they'll tell you there are three things that mess up marriages. There are lack of a communication, financial stress, and sexual issues. We're talking about the next one of number 
the big one, the next, the, one, of, one of the three big ones is financial stress. You know why they're in financial stress? Because we do things where we just, we just buy frivolously things we don't necessarily need, that we could have spent money on something significant, we could have put things away for our kids, we could have done all sorts of things, but we just, phew, we got to have it, we got to have it now. And then we go out and get loans so we can get it now, even though we don't have the money right now. And if we don't do that, then, you know, we could just go through this whole process and we don't. That's what, you see what I'm saying? We've got to change the way we think, the way we look at life, the way we look at, at, at um, we've been given the spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. That word sound mind means disciplined mind. We've, we've, we, we're giving ourselves our own, we're giving ourselves a new thought process. Romans 12, 2 says this. That we shouldn't be conformed to the world, the way the world does things, the way the world takes care of finances, the way the world spends money, the way the world looks. We should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That means we've got to change our focus. We've got to begin to focus on things that are important, things that are right. The scriptures tell us this. Where there is no vision, the people perish. One scripture translation says, they cast off restraint. You know what you need? You need a financial vision. That will give you discipline. You need to decide. I've, I've had this happen in my office. We're really under a lot of financial thing and stuff. And do you have a budget? Almost like, what, 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 what's a budget? Are we supposed to have one of those? I don't know. You know why you need one of those? Because it'll help you stay on track, on focus. You as a, you, you as a family ought to sit down and say, you know what? This is where we want to be two years from now. This is where God wants us to be five years from now. Some of you have, 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 have decided at some point in time in your life you're going to be out of debt and then you got off track because you didn't keep the vision before you. Those are all good things to have, but it, it requires discipline. And, it only, and, and the kind of discipline you need to move through things, you need the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the work of God to accomplish. Listen, it's all about what he's doing, not what we're doing. It's about what he wants, not what we want. Another thing that will help you is realize there's an element of consecration attached to your finances. And I purposely took up the offering early so nobody could say Aaron's trying to get a big offering. I'm not doing that. But these are scriptural principles. And if I don't tell the truth, then nobody can learn to function the way God wants you to. In Malachi chapter 3, it talks about there being a consecrated portion of your finances. A portion God has already set aside for spiritual usage with a divine purpose. And in, that, in, in Malachi chapter 3, it says, God asked this question. He says, will a man rob God? He says, yeah, you have robbed me. And you say, how? In what way? He says, in tithes and offerings. And verse 9 goes on to say, you are cursed with the curse. You robbed me. And he goes on to say, even this whole nation. Jim, Jim Wolf was just telling me, we were talking about after the first service, about the issue of tithing and things like that. And he said, he was, he was filling out his taxes. Check this out. You want to see, see how things are backwards? He was filling out his taxes with this program he's got. And he put in how much, how much he, had, he had given to the church. And it was, it was, you know, it was at least a tithe. And this, this screen popped up. Are you sure you want to claim that amount of charitable giving? This may trigger an audit because the average person gives less than 4%. Are you sure you want to, and, it can, and he, you have to see if to say yes to go on to the next part. You better, and it says something, you better have good documentation about how you, I, I, I told, I told the early crew, my wife saw a report talking about, you know, how they, they always, when, when elections are going on, they always, they always, everything you need to know about the, the candidates, you know what I mean? 
and things you don't really want to know, but they just they, they make them a bit one way, like their, their health uh, thing and, you know, all that stuff. And my wife saw that they, they, even go through their, they even go through their financial statements, you know. And the, the vice presidential candidates, one of them made $160,000 last year. That's a pretty good chunk of change, I think. To me, it's a pretty big, pretty big chunk of change. And they gave $3,000 of it to charitable giving. And then the other one made twice that and gave the same amount. You figure that out, that's not a, that's not a big hunk of what they make. Not even, not, I mean, that's not, even a, that's not even a, I mean, it's, what is that? Rachel said the report she saw said that the one, the one who made 160000 gave 3% last year. Well, God, God has, a, has, a, has a divine order, and he says there's a consecrated portion of your finances. It's 10%. You know what that does for you? It keeps you from being down in this trap like the buzzard. and It, it, it forces you to go boop like that and put your affection toward heaven. That's what that's about. It's God helping you stay in track and realizing also that everything you have, he gave to you anyway. And it keeps your heart right all the way around. That's what that does. Deuteronomy chapter 26, read it, it's there. Malachi chapter 3, read it, it's there. Jesus even says that you should, you should give taxes where that's appropriate. You should give to God what's appropriate to him. And he was talking about the financial issue. Jesus didn't even let you off the hook. It's really important to fold it. These are things that will help see you through financial stress. See, you're on chapter 26, I just talked about that, the tithe, the 10%. He says, verse 10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, the Lord says, and try me now in this. The Lord, here's something I said at the beginning. If you're a visitor here, you're just checking out, that, that doesn't necessarily apply to you. The storehouse is the place where you, you get fed spiritually, where you grow as a Christian. But once you make this your home, a tithe is... is to come into the house of the Lord. That's what the scriptures say. This is not a message about, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, know, nothing, I don't know anything about who gives what. I don't, and I don't, I don't really care that much. Because it's not really about what I know. It's about what you and God are working on together. And, you know, I, I've talked to several pastors in this area. Last, with all the, the financial stress. All of, and I, I want to I commend Church Triumphant. Because all of them have said, We've, we've experienced loss during this time, that, that, that our people have stopped giving like they used to. But you know what I've, Jeanette told me? We've not really experienced that around here as of yet. We've not seen any major decline or anything like that. And I hope that continues because you know what? That's what will get you through. It doesn't make sense because it's backwards. You don't have really, to, to be conformed to the world. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Um. We've not been touched like that. You guys have been taught well. And I can't take any credit for that. You guys have been taught really well. Over a long period of time. And you've taken the scriptures and you've applied them. Listen, he says, if you will, he says, try me now on this, the Lord says, and it's see if I will not pour out, pour out, <laughs> will open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will be not room to receive it. He says, I will rebuke and devour for your sake. That he so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit in the field, says the Lord of hosts. You know, he says, tithing makes it possible for ministry to continue. That's the food in God's house part. 
And it also causes blessing to be poured out into your house. Is that awesome? You can't lose doing that. Let me tell you something. Not only have you as a congregation continued to give, we together, listen, have been able to give above and beyond what we normally give to certain ministries. Can I tell you about it real quick? In the midst of this, earlier this summer, we gave $10,000 to Armstrong Kiga to make sure ministry continues to happen in Africa. During the summer, we gave an extra $5,000 to Bill Turkovich for what he was doing. And then he's in the Dominican Republic. I don't know if you're aware, they have hurricanes and things down there. Tropical storms. They got hammered pretty good over this, over in, 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 during the later, latter part of the summer. You know what? We gave another $5,000 for hurricane relief to the Dominican Republic. To a ministry who's not only giving out mattresses and things, they're giving people the gospel and they're seeing great impact and great change because the church stepped up and said, I can do something here. That excites me. I don't know about you. It's just, I'm glad we get a chance to do that. And that's what God's saying so there may be food in my house. It ain't about what really even, it's not even completely about what God's doing here. It's what we get a chance to do all over the place. It's awesome. In a time where giving is going down, we're still sending stuff out. That's good. We're applying the principles of Scripture. We're walking in that. Now, let's go on to the last one. Charity is the last C. We've talked about contentment. We've talked about control. We've talked about the consecrated part of your finances. Now we're talking about charity. In Malachi 3, he talks about tithes and offerings. He talks about we should be a giving people all the time. And this, listen to me, this goes way beyond financial stuff. Way, 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 way. This comes about, this comes about your attitude and your personality. This is where it comes into play. It's not just writing a check, and it's not just, it's about stopping along the side of the road when you see somebody with a flat tire, making sure they got a hand. It's about, this part of it's about doing what's right because you're a member of the church of Jesus Christ and the human race. And you say, you know what, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to do something. Of, I'm not going to just float through life and be too busy to help and do things. I'm going to give of myself and make sure things go on. I'm not going to do what's just required. I'm going to go a step beyond. I'm going to put my life and my soul into to something. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, whatever he gives of himself to, he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption. If you just do things for yourself because it feels good to you, you out of that reap corruption, sorrow, grief, like 2 Timothy said. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now listen to verse 9. And let us not grow weary in well-doing, and while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who have the household of faith. Having a heart of charity is being a giving and generous person from the inside out. You want God to help you work through financial stress? You be a person of generosity wherever you are, whatever you do, wherever you go. The Bible makes it plainly clear. Those who give, receive. Give and it shall be given unto you, the scriptures say. That's a, script, that's, that's, that's a, that's a Holy Spirit script principle, a Holy, a Holy Scripture principle. Listen to this. Principles of the kingdom are backward from the principles of the world. Right now, it would be the, this, the, it, would, it would seem the, the logical thing to do to pull back and doing that kind of stuff. It would seem like, okay, we have less, so we probably shouldn't give as much, and we shouldn't do. 
But look at the scripture from Proverbs eleven twenty four. There is one who scatters. He's just throwing stuff here, there, everywhere. Yet he increases more. Though he's given of himself, he should have less because he's just spreading it out. He still has more. And there is one who withholds and holds on to what, more than what is right. But it leads to, he tries to hoard what he has. And yet he's still impoverished. He's still in poverty. The generous soul, Proverbs 11, 24, 25, will be made rich. But he who waters will also be watered himself. See, that's that principle of reciprocity. In the secular realm, we say what goes around comes around. Listen, I won't put myself in a predicament when I'm in a tight spot. There's somebody next to me who can say, you know what, I can help you through that. I wanna, I wanna, you need to be a, a giving person always. It's a matter of the heart. Listen to 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 9. He says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Who, 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 who gives stingily will reap stingily. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let, listen to this next word. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. You know what? You shouldn't walk out here going, okay, I should probably do that because it is in the Bible and Pastor Aaron said so. And I guess if I have to, I'll just start. You can give with the wrong motives and it have no effect. You can be a generous spirit and just do it because you have to. You can be a, try to be a giving person and have the wrong attitude about it and it just completely blows it to pieces anyway. His will. And he says, he goes on to say, For God loves a cheerful giver. Now listen to this next thing. Because you're a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things. How would you guys like to have all that you need in all things at all times? That's like a good plan? That's like a good idea? Wouldn't that be good for all of us? Then he says, Give out of joy. Give because it's a privilege. Give of yourself because it's an awesome opportunity to share the light and the love of Jesus. And God will always make sure you have what you have need of. He will make sure not only that you have what you have need of, but listen, that an abundance, that, and you may have an abundance for every good work. He says, not only do I want to make sure you have every, you're sufficient in what you have, I want to give you ab- to you abundantly so you can do good things above and beyond just providing for your basic needs. Is that awesome? Don't you guys love Christmas? I'm like, hey, yeah, I love Christmas. I love Christmas because I like, I like that part of watching my kids' eyes light up on Christmas morning when I've blessed them just being a good dad. You know what I mean? I love to watch them go, phew. I love to watch my wife. She's really, she, she loves Christmas, and her eyes just glow, and it just she, she can't wait for Christmas morning. I, we love that. We love people who, who, who love, don't you love that? Bible does say it's more blessed to give than to receive. We got to get a grasp. Get a grasp. We got to get a grasp or a grip on that. Take your pick. A, a grips. I don't know what I was going to say. I'm going to make a new word. Can I just make a new word right here, right now. Maybe go on the website and put like a like put an Aaron glossary on there or something. You know, if he says that, he means this. God asks us to do that. If we apply His principles. His principles always work. You know why? Because it's his word. His word does not return void. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away. Governments will come and go. Things will happen. But his word will remain true and faithful. If we apply them, we will always find ourselves being exactly where God wants us to be, doing exactly what God wants us to do. And we'll find ourselves having all of our needs met all the time. 
Bill talked about a guy who, who worked at soup kitchens in, 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 during the Great Depression. And he, he would ask people as they were coming through, and he's, do you, you know, are you Christian? Yeah. Do you tithe? Without fail, he said, not one person who was a tither was in the, was in the he never found a person who actually tithed, who was a, who was a giver, who they played God's principles. In there, getting soup and stuff in the soup line. That's an awesome testimony. The Bible says, I have, I, I have never seen God cease baking bread. Does that say it's always easy? No, it's absolutely not always easy. It's a part of this life. We've got to deal with it. It's corrupt and it's messed up. But God will always be. Sometimes he'll take us right to the brink. And then he'll come through for us right at the nick of time. You know what I mean? How many of you have experienced that? There's no way this is going to work out. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know what's going to happen. And then at the last minute, man, God just, wham, just brings it right in. You ever experienced that? He always does. He grows our faith there. He shows us he's a good dad in that. He'll do the same thing for you. I want to tell you something. I want to ask if, Burl, you're still here. Can you come play for us? I'm going to talk to you just a minute. There's some things you've got to consider. Some of you this morning have been sitting here and you're thinking, man, I've not really been content. My problem is, I just always want more. I'm not really happy with where I'm at. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost got into a place where I'm not grateful anymore, and, and I just nothing seems to satisfy or work. Some of you may be sitting here and going, you know what? I'm completely out of control. That doggone Payless shoe store. You know, some of you have thought, you know. Man, I know I have not been tithing like I ought to. Some of you may be saying, you know what? I've not just been charitable like I need to be. My attitude's not been charitable. My, my heart's not been charitable. And I need to get those things ironed out. If you guys would, stand with me. You know, some of these things, when we're not content, when we're not disciplined, when we don't walk in, in obedience... When we don't, when we, some of us have just been selfish. We've not been charitable. And this messes up our family. Because when we don't walk in, when we don't walk in control and we, we don't walk in contentment, there's always 